James reminds us, he tells us that uh, uh, when we consider the year that's before us, there's much about the future that's uncertain. He says, whereas you know not what tomorrow, what shall be on tomorrow. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Uh, life's but a vapor. He reminds us we don't even know what, what tomorrow holds, much less the entire year. We, uh, we look, and let me uh, say that even though we may not know what we face in the future, we should know how to face the future. We, uh, we ought to know how to. One of the, the ways to face the new year is to settle certain things in, in our heart and our life. And there are certain spiritual resolutions that we should, should make about how we are going to, to approach and, and how it is that we're going to face a new year. So I want us to glean from what Jesus said and certain, uh, or James said, and, and uh, certain resolutions for the new year. Since James was uh, speaks uh, in, to, uh, to us concerning a daily measured life. In verse 13, and he speaks of those who were making plans about the future. We read there, he said, go to now. You look there and he says, you go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we'll go into the, such a city, continue there a year, buy, sell, and get gain. Their, uh, their plans were to go to a certain city and over the, the next year to buy and to sell and to make a profit. They, uh, to, uh, to go to now is a similar to our expression, look here, look here. And James is saying, you're making all these big plans, but there is something you're failing to consider. He, he continues in verse 14 when he says, you know, you don't know what's on tomorrow. What is, uh, what is your life? It's but a vapor. It appears a little while and it, it vanisheth away. James is not condemning their plans or their ambitions, but he's reminding them of the uncertainty of life and, and the perspective by which we should view all of our future plans. How life has to be addressed. James asks the question, what is your life? He then describes life as a vapor. The word vapor speaks of, of a mist. And uh, he tells us that our lives are like a mist. It appears for a short time and then it's gone. It doesn't last long. James has reminded us of the bereavity of life. Other Bible writers wrote of the bereavity of life. James said, my days are, or I'm sorry, Job said in chapter 7 and verse 6, he said, my days are swifter than a, a weaver's shuttle. Or Job chapter 9, he, he tells us there that my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They, they see no good. They, they're passed away as swift ships as the eagle that hasteth to the prey. Psalm 39 and verses 4 and 5, the scripture says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that, that I shall know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. See, life at its longest is just a brief, short moment. The big, uh, as we look, it's a, in the big picture, we're more like a, uh, we're like a mist that's here for a short time, well, and it vanishes away. See, the young, we, we look and you go, well, the young in this building, I'm including myself in there this morning. Did you catch that? And uh, the young, we, uh, we look at the uh, future thinking of the years that will never get here. Those years that, that you, you, you go, oh, my lands. I, uh, I, I was joking uh, the other day as we were talking about the number of years. And I was joking. I said, you know, I remember looking forward at 2020 I realize it's back yesterday now but uh, at 2020 and I remember and uh, as I was looking forward maybe uh, uh, in high school some of it might have been in junior high even and remember thinking 2020 will never get here <laughs> it'll never get here now look at us we're looking on it in the past we're looking at it as something that's of the life's but a vapor it seems like yesterday 
Seems like yesterday. You look and you go, the young are looking forward to it. They can, uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of them, uh, they, they, the, uh, you, you can go, well, there it is. How many of you remember you thinking that your 16th birthday might not ever get here because you wanted your driver's license? Now you go, that time came and passed and there we are. You go, there's the, the, the speed in which it came, yet we have a way of looking and going, where have the years gone? We say it seems like yesterday, but in reality, the years have passed. Life's a very brief experience. An unknown writer has given us these words. He said, when I was a child, I laughed and I wept and I crept. Time crept. When, when as a youth, I dreamed and I talked and time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still, I grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in passing on time gone. And I look and I go, man, someone has said it's been proven that married life is healthy. Statistics show that a single people die sooner than married folks. So if you're looking for a long life and a slow death, get married. <laughs> I have in my notes as a joke because I pick on Bethany. She tells me all the time it's never going to happen. And I have my notes right there for Bethany. And uh, I said, oh, Lord, help her. She, uh, she and I joke about that frequently. But, you know, the, 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 uh, someone has said, you know, it's amazing. Married or not, life's a vapor. It's short. It's brief. The, the proper way to assess life is that, uh, uh, that at, at all, it's, it's longest. It's brief. At its longest, it's brief. It's, it's just a moment. How life has to be approached. I read an Arabic uh, fable of a merchant in Baghdad that, that sent his servant to the market. And before long, the servant returned, white and trembling. He said to his master, down, down the marketplace, I was jostled by, by a woman in a crowd. When I turned and I looked and I saw that it was death that jostled me, she looked at me and made a threatening gesture. Please lend me a horse that I might hasten to Samaria and hide there so death cannot find me. Master loaned him a horse, and the servant galloped away in haste. And later the merchant went to the marketplace, saw death standing in the crowd. He went over to her and said, Why did you frighten my servant this morning? Why did you make a, a threatening gesture? Death replied, That wasn't a threatening gesture. I was only startled and surprised. I was astonished to see him in Baghdad, for I have an appointment with him tonight in Samaria. You could say that each of us has an appointment in Samaria. James described someday, one day, life will vanish away. Life is neither predictable nor is it permanent. We look and we go, the day, the only day in which we are certain is the day that we have. Therefore, life must be approached one day at a time. R.G. Lee said, yesterday is in the tomb of time. Tomorrow is in the womb of time. Only now is yours. See, life, since life must be assessed as brief and must be approached as constant, uh, uh, consistently of, of only the day before us, then the resolution we all should make is that we will be all we should be and do all we should do this day, today. See, I like how Paul said, today's the day of salvation. Teach us to number our days, he said in Ephesians. See, we often say one of these days, I'm going to get around to do this, or I'm going to get around to do that. 
And we don't know that we have another day. Therefore, we should live one day at a time. What we ought to do today ought to be done today. What we ought, what we ought to be today, we ought to be this day. See, if we're not saved, then we ought to be get saved today, not to wait another day. I've heard young people say it time and again, oh, I'm going to wait till I get older. And there's no guarantee of an older. I'm going to wait until this time or that time. See, a spiritual resolution for the new year ought to be that we're going to be what we should be and do what we should do each day for the rest of our life, beginning today. Beginning today. Yesterday's a canceled check, tomorrow's a promissory note, and today is the only cash we have. Daily measured life. Verse number 13, we read the words, ye that say. Verse 15, we read these words, ye ought to say. The, uh, they were uh, saying, we, we are going to do this and we're going to do that, but James reminds them, you ought to be saying, we'll do this or that if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. God's will. I read about a man who was riding his motorcycle along a, a country road. He stopped to uh, uh, talk to a preacher standing in the churchyard, and the preacher asked him what he was doing. He said he's going to town to sell his motorcycle. The preacher said you ought to say that you're uh, going to town to sell your micro- motorcycle if it be the Lord's will. The man rolled his eyes, laughed, mocked at the preacher's words, and he roared off down the road on his motorcycle. Later that afternoon, the preacher was sitting on the front porch. He looked down the road and he saw a man stumbling and staggering in the road. The preacher recognized him to be the fellow he talked with earlier and the knees of this man's uh, pants were torn open, exposing his, his bloodied skin and scratched up legs. His arms were, uh, 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 there was a makeshift sling. His shirt was torn off his back. His, his face was swollen and black and blue. His hair was a mess. His elbows were bloody from the cuts and the scratches, and his forearms were covered with, with blood and little pieces of gravel. What happened? asked the preacher, and the man replied, Well, after I left you, I was on my way to town. A storm came up, and I, I tried to outrun it, but I, I was going around the curve, and I hit some loose gravel on a motorcycle. It slid out from underneath me. It skidded more than a, uh, I skidded more than 100 feet on the pavement. I managed to get up, but the, the motorcycle was a total loss. Somehow I staggered to a nearby farmhouse, and as I walked to the door, a, a frightened woman pointed a shotgun at me. I started running, and she started shooting. I ran through the brush, the briars, and I got all scratched up. Finally, I came to a clearing and found a tree to shelter me from the rain. And as I stood there picking the, the buckshot from my back, lightning struck the tree and knocked me out. I came to, and I've been in a daze ever since. The preacher asked, where are you going now? The man replied, I'm going home. If, if it be the Lord's will, going home. James describing a divinely managed life. It's a life that suggests two great truths. God determines the existence of life. James has just got through. Speaking of life as a vapor, that it sometimes it vanishes away. Verse 15, he tells us that the future plans hinge on God's will and Therefore, reminding us that God is the one that determines how long our life will exist 
and when our life will end. Job reminds us of the fact in Job chapter 14 and verse number 5, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. See, beyond, uh, behind our starting point and our stopping place is God's management of our life. He's the one who set the boundaries of our life. James 4, 16, he tells us there, as you look, he says, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such re rejoicing is evil. You look and he says, uh, James remind us that, that it's wrong to presume that we are the masters of our fate and, and boast in all we are going to do as if nothing could happen outside of our control. See, the simple truth is it's up to God whether or not we'll be around in a year or even in a day or even this afternoon. God is the one that determines the existence of life. Secondly, God directs the events of our life. Not only controls when our life, uh, but he controls the what of our life. He's the one that determines how long we live and what happens while we live. Acts 16.10, he said after he had seen the vision. Immediately we endeavored to, to go to Macedonia. Assuredly, gathering that the, the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel to them. There are some interesting words in that portion of Scripture. Assuredly, gathering, it, uh, it would be the same as saying, I, I come to the conclusion that God had called me to, that God had called us to. And uh, the words mean it, it all came together. The words suggest the picture of, of a sweater being knitted and finally coming together, or a jigsaw puzzle finally getting completed. Paul was saying that all the things that happened in his life worked or the purpose of God's will being done in his life. The events in his life were God's doing in order that his will and purpose be done in his life. See, life is not a series of accidents. It's a series of appointments. God directs the events of our life in order to bring about his will for our life. Therefore, a spiritual resolution we ought to make for the new year is, Lord, I want to yield to your management of my life. God, I want to yield to your management in my life. It's saying, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Like how Alan Redpath said it in his book, Jesus does not come into our life on the basis of democracy, but on the basis of dictatorship. Bobby Richardson at a meeting of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he's a former New York Yankee second baseman, he prayed a prayer that was brief but it was to the point dear God your will nothing more nothing less nothing else amen see since our life's in his hands we ought to put our life in his hands a daily measured life a divinely managed life and a diligently mastered life the final spiritual resolution we glean from our text and Verse number 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. To him that knows to do good, and does it not, to him it is sin. James tells us we ought to be conscious and concerned about sin in our life. Instead of, of sin mastering us, we ought to master sin. See, as believers, we, we cannot take sin lightly. We should not ignore sin of, of any kind in our life. See, the confession, the heart of the, and, and the soul of what James is saying is, it is to get us to acknowledge our sin before God and to admit our sin to God. 
James is wanting us to realize what sin is and, and then confess that sin. Like David in Psalm 32 in verse number 5 when he said, I acknowledge my sin and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. You look and he tell confession is simply uh, means to uh, simply means to agree with God. When God says something is sin, we agree and then come to God and deal with that sin. See, sin it, it's really kind of funny. <laughs> if God says it's sin, I got a little little note up above my desk in the office there. It says it says if God says it's sin, your opinion doesn't matter. You know, it's a reminder. Puts us there. We're not to take it lightly. We're to confess. Why? Proverbs 28 and verse 13. He says, He that covereth sins, his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. God will not and cannot bless us with unconfessed sin in our life. But notice carefully the, the definition James gave of sin. James tells us that sin is not just when we do something wrong. It is also when we fail to do what is right. The word sin, that is used, uh, the word sin that's used there means to miss the mark. The Greek writers use this word in, in three ways. It was used of, of an archer who missed the target. It was used of a student who took a test and missed the answer. When it's used in a spiritual context, it spoke of a person who knows a certain standard is right but falls below that standard. James is describing what we call the sins of commission, doing what we should not do, and the sins of omission, not doing what we should do. Teacher teaching her young class about the sins of commission and omission, when she got through, she wanted to find out if class had been paying attention. So she asked for a volunteer to tell her the difference between the sins of commission and the sins of omission. And one little boy raised his hand and he said, the sins of commission are the sins we should not have done. And the sins of omission, well, they are the sins we should have done. I have to think about that for a moment. But James is telling us that when we know that we're to do certain things and we don't, it is sin. When we know that we ought to be in, in church and we're not, it's sin. When, when we know that we ought to tithe and we don't, it's sin. When we know that we ought to be witnesses for Christ and we never tell anyone about Christ, it's sin. See, I don't know of a better way to close out one year and start a new year than, than searching our hearts and dealing with any sin that might be there. It may be involving something that's been uh, in our hearts and it might have been in here for years. Think about woman in, who lived in a retirement village she had tried several years or several days I'm sorry her uh, uh, to reach her uh, by phone her daughter had and she's unable to do so finally she uh, she called and uh, uh, asked if if she had if another daughter had heard from from her and she said no I I've called and called no one's there I'm, I'm worried about it the other daughter says, oh, they're having a revival at the retirement center. And I bet she's been there when you've called. Revival? What on earth are they having a, a revival at a retirement center? What kind of sins could they possibly have at the retirement center? And the other sister says, old ones, old ones. 
Confession is purging of old sins and preventing of new ones. The cleaning or the cleansing of sin. John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 See, when we confess our sins, we're cleansed from our sins. It's the spiritual resolution we make. God, I don't want anything in my heart or in my life that is displeasing you. I want to be clean before you. Let me give you a verse that, that forms the basis of this resolution. It's found in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 when he said, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See, the word Jesus, uh, the word keep there, I'm sorry, the word keep is, is descriptive of a guard. The, wisest, the wise man of time tells us to guard our hearts. In fact, he places a double emphasis on the matter of guarding our heart to show its importance. The word diligence has basically the, the same meaning. It, it speaks of, of a guard or a man on, on post at, at a prison or to, uh, to guard prisoners. And In our case, we're not guarding our hearts to let anything out, but we're guarding our hearts to keep certain things from getting in. I read about a funeral service for a woman that had passed away. and At the end of the service, the pallbearers are carrying her casket. They accidentally bumped into the wall and jarring the casket and when they did, they heard a loud moan in the casket. They opened the casket to find the lady was not dead. The woman lived another 10 years, and then she died. After the service, as the pallbearers were carrying out her casket, the husband cries out, careful, 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 watch that wall. We ought to be take great care to guard our heart from anything that displeases God. When we do, confess that sin that we may be cleansed and forgiven. It's a matter of staying clean. So as we close out 21 and we move into 22, we, we, if we make any New Year's resolutions, we ought to make three spiritual resolutions. That I'll do today what I ought to do today. That I'll be today what I ought to be. Secondly, that I'll let Jesus be the Lord of my life and manage my life according to his will. Lord, that you would, would be the Lord of my life and I want you to be the manager of my life according to your will. And thirdly, that I'd guard my heart and my life and I would do nothing that would displease my Lord. See, I don't know if you're the kind of person that makes resolutions or not. I know some folks do. They have their list. I can give you all the statistics. I, I saw a few of them on how many of the resolutions are deserted by the end of January. You might go, that's sad. But when it comes to with our walk with God, I do challenge us to say, this new year, let's make it to be what God wants it to be. Let's make it to be what he wants it to be in our life. We're not perfect. We're not a perfect people. We are all sinners. We all stumble. We all fall. And we all need a Savior. And we've come through Christmas and you say, that's what Christmas is really all about. 
but also the resolution that comes with it is the fact that we need you. We are a needy people, needing a touch from Almighty God. And so as we look into 2022, we look forward. And Lord, what is it that you have? What is it you're looking to do in my life? And how can I? all that I'm to be do all that I'm to be walk as humble let's kneel together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed I want to give us an opportunity an opportunity to come maybe it's to invite him in for today is the day of salvation it's to get to know him in a personal If so, then put it off to today. Trust Him today. For we have no guarantee of tomorrow. Maybe we're here and we're a child of God and we've settled that a long time ago. But there's sin in our life that needs to be confessed. That we need to get on our knees before God and say, God, hear. Move my heart change me or as the psalmist said when he wrote he said created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me whether it be sins of commission or sins of omission today will you come will you come that's what the invitation is all about for us to respond here's my heart move Lord Jesus we thank you I ask that you move more and change us I ask that you might change us today Lord that we set the resolution we'd set the path and set the pledge Father we pray these things in Jesus name 